If you brought your Bible this evening, turn with me to two openings that we've been looking at previously. How many have not been with us here in the house uh, the previous two nights? I know a lot of people haven't. Okay, several folks. We'll review just a little bit. But we've been on a subject that we want to build on and, and go from there. Let me say again thank you to your pastors, Brother Mac, Miss Lynn, and, and to the church here, to the Lord for allowing us to be a part here with you this week. And we have much uh, respect for uh, what God has done and is doing here through your ministry, through the church. Uh, I believe, like we talked about a couple of nights ago, I believe this is a stronghold. Amen. Hallelujah. A stronghold of God's faith, of His presence, of righteousness, of His goodness. Hallelujah. And I believe you have, you're having a much greater influence than you even realize, than you even know. In influence is spiritual. It's not always detected by the mind or the eye, but it is, it's, it's keeping bad things down and it's bringing good things in. Do you believe that? It is. It is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I like just saying that. A stronghold of the Lord. We're a stronghold of the Lord. Hallelujah. We're, we're entrenched here. Glory to God. No enemy can knock us out. And in fact, we're going to take more land. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Look with me in, in two openings, please. Romans, the eighth chapter, and uh, Proverbs, the third chapter. And just like we prayed, please believe with me for utterance. I've got uh, notes, and I've, uh, you know, got some things in my heart about this, but we're not locked into anything. We want the Lord to lead us. How many thank you if you're preaching on being spirit-led? You ought to go ahead and be led, <laughs> led by the Spirit yourself would be a good idea. Good idea. <laughs> and when I first started preaching, I would, uh, I'd start on something, and then I'd wind up talking about something else. And, and I, I'd keep saying, this is not my message, but, and I'd spend 10 minutes on it. This is not my message, but. This is not my message, but I must have said it scores of times. And finally, one day, I, as I was speaking, I said, this is not my message, but Spirit of God spoke up inside me. He said, son, if I say that's your message, that's your message. <laughs> so I quit saying that. Just, and that's not just for preachers now. How many understand, just because you prepared something or planned something, does not mean you're supposed to be locked into it no matter what. In order to be led by the Spirit, you have to be open and you've got to be flexible. I said you've got to be flexible. You've you got to be ready at a moment's notice to go this way instead of that way. Yeah, but we've planned, and yeah, but well, okay, maybe if you'd have prayed better, you'd have been better led before time. But now the Lord's helping you to see. You know, uh, there's a story in the, in the Word about a, a king who uh, uh, was facing the enemy. And so he took a huge sum of money and he hired a neighboring army to come and join him. 
Well, a man of God was sent to him by God and told him, if they go with you, you'll be destroyed, you'll be defeated, you cannot let that army go with you. And so he said, well, what about all my money? By today's standard, it'd be millions of dollars. What about all my money that I've already paid him? And the word of the Lord was, God is able to give you much more than this. What does that mean? That means you lost that, buddy. You should have been better led. But now you need, instead of missing God twice, you need to forget about it. Come on, are y'all listening? And believe that God, don't, don't keep riding a bad deal. Hmm? Yeah, but I got so much invested in this, you're just going to make it worse. Hmm? If you lose it, you lose it, and it's your fault because you weren't better led to start with. But God is able to give you much more than this. How quickly he could make it up to you if you just get back on track with his plan. Do what he told you to do. In Romans, the 8th chapter, Romans 8 and 14. Romans 8 and 14, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are... The sons of God. Sons of God can be, should be, ought to be led how? Now there are many, many ways of being led that are not led by the Spirit. But there's only one way that you're going to be right every time. And it's going to work out right Every time, and that's not because you figured it out or somebody else figured it out, it's because the Spirit of God led you that way, and He knows the end from the beginning, and He knows everything about everything and things you couldn't possibly know. Somebody say, Spirit led. He goes on to say, contrasting the Spirit of God we've been given to the Spirit that's in the world, He said, For you have not received the Spirit of bondage. Again, to fear. This is how so many are led. Led by fear. Led by fear. Well, that's not being led by the Spirit, is it? He goes on to say, But we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit is familiar to the child of God. He's the spirit we're born of. He is in us 24-7. Isn't he? Waking, sleeping, going, coming, eating, church, work. He's always there. And so he's never going to seem strange to you. He's familiar to you. How many remember in John 10, Jesus talked about this. He said, my sheep know my voice. What does that mean? Familiar. You're well acquainted with his voice. And a stranger's voice, what? A stranger's voice, they, they won't follow. My sheep know my voice. How many in here know that you know that you've been born again? I want to see. You know, you were there when it happened. Right? Well, when you're born again, you come in personal contact with the Master by His Spirit. 
And his spirit comes inside you. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, Romans says, he's none of his. You can't be born again and not have the spirit. Right? You got the spirit in you. Now you can also have the spirit upon you and be filled with the spirit. We won't go into the, the difference there in detail. But when you're born again, you have the spirit in you. And from then on, he's there 24-7. He never leaves. He'll never forsake you. And he is the heavenly gift given to us. Jesus said the spirit of God being in you is actually better than like the disciples who were with Jesus personally in the flesh. So you and I should not look longingly back at them and go, man, wouldn't it be great to be able to eat with Jesus and be in the service with Jesus? The master said, what we have is better than what they had because if Peter was talking to Jesus, you might have to wait till he got through and go over and talk. And then you still have to interpret through this flesh and your mind what the communication is. But now you got the spirit of Christ inside you 24-7 everywhere all the time and so him being notice the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father the Holy Spirit makes us feel like we belong he makes you feel homey (laughs) like you're at home like you belong in a family, the familiar. And one th- reason I'm going into some detail about this is because when the enemy tries to mislead you, it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be familiar. It's going to be strange. I said it's going to be strange. And you're going to go, huh? Where'd that come from? What, what is that? I don't know. It's strange. It's, it, it's, it's just like come from out of nowhere to you. You're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the thing you should not follow. That's the thing you should not listen to. And don't let somebody who's supposed to know God or be a prophet or a prophetess or an apostle cause you to override what you have in your heart. Amen. Come on, are you listening? Amen. I don't care who they are. They start prophesying. They start telling you what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. If it's the Holy Spirit, you got the same Holy Spirit right here. Come on, are you listening? Right here. And if it's Him in them, the Him in you will bear witness to the same Him in them. And inside you, even if it's new to your head, your heart will be going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I've heard from him before. I'm with him every day. But I don't care who they are. You start hearing it and you're thinking, whoa, wait, huh? What's that? Ooh, what what is that? Where'd that come from? That's the thing you need to stay away from. Come on, are you listening? I don't care who they are, who they're supposed to be, how many experiences they've had. The devil does not come in a red suit and a pitchfork. The Bible says 
he transforms himself into an angel of light. So if you're going to recognize the devil, what kind of thing should you be looking for? An angel of light. Something that tries to come across as God, and yet there's something funny about it. Something strange about it. Trying to pass itself off as God, as the Holy Spirit. I want you to say it out loud. I am his sheep. Come on, you can say it a little bit stronger than that. I am his sheep. I know his voice. Now, don't ever say anything contradictory to that. I need to camp on that just a minute. I've had people come to me in desperation. Please, Brother Keith, please pray for me. I just can't seem to hear from God. Please, uh, I I got this major thing coming up. I got to make this decision. I've fasted. I've prayed. I just can't seem to hear from God. I just can't seem to hear his voice. And more than once, I've looked people in the eye and said, well, will you do what I tell you to do? They said, well, if I can. I said, "It's, it's easy. You can, if you will. They said, what? I said, never say that again. Never say what again? Never say you can't hear his voice. It contradicts what Jesus told you in his word. Right? Never say, I don't care what kind of feelings you're experiencing or not experiencing. You must agree with him. By faith, agree with what he said. So let's say it again. I am his sheep. I know his voice. Oh, somebody's getting help right now. Come on, say it again. I know his voice. Come on, say it again. I know his voice. How do you know his voice? I'm his sheep. I'm born of his spirit. How am I not going to know his spirit? His spirit indwells me every day and night. Why would I not know his spirit? But if you see, if you dwell in the flesh too much and are too dominated by feelings and intellect, then you can get caught up in confusion and go, well, I just can't. Because you're trying to hear him out here. You're trying to hear him with your head. You're trying to hear him with your body. And what does verse uh, 16 in Romans there say? How does he communicate with us? The Spirit of God does what? Bears witness, not with our body, not with our flesh, not with our head, not with our intellect, not with our our feelings and emotions. He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let let me ask you this. We've already talked about it. You said you know you're born again. You said you were there when it happened. How do you know you're a child of God? We're reading the verse right here. How do you know you're a child of God? You have a knowing, a confidence, a knowing you have the witness in you. And because you have somebody else in you besides you, there is a co-witness. And that's what the Greek word literally means. A witnessing with, a co-witness. And you want to look for this other witness to your spirit in all the decisions of life. Your spirit says, I'm a born again. I'm child of God. And the Holy Ghost who's also in you goes, yes, you are. And you realize there's another witness beside what you have in your own heart. 
there's a witnessing with. And if you learn how to follow that, you can be led by the Spirit and even the small details of life. When you're thinking, do I do this or do I do that? Do I go this way or do I go that way? What are you looking for? You're looking for your spirit and something else. I said, and something else. You're looking for his witness with your spirit. And it's it's something additional. Maybe you're excited about it. Maybe you like it. Maybe you want it. But you can tell so far it's just me. Huh? You look, you want it to be it, but you're by yourself right now. And you look at this thing and, and, and you got nothing extra and you look at that and, and you got nothing extra. You look at it and boy, the numbers are good and, 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 and the, the place is great and the favor is, seems good, this and that. But when you learn how, that's not enough for you. You've got to have something else. You're looking for that additional witness in your spirit. Come on, are you listening? That additional witness. And when you see it and when you hear it, you'll know it because the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit. And your spirit goes, this, I think this is it. I think this is it. And the Holy Ghost will go, you're right. This is it. I'm not talking about hearing voices. I'm talking about knowing and the witness. And that's the thing you go with. That's the, that's the thing, the way you make your decision, the way you go. The Spirit of God does what? Bears witness with. That's a co-witness. Your spirit is not the Holy Spirit. There's another person inside you. Hallelujah. And when he bears witness with, you know it. And uh, what you have to practice is patience. Until you get that witness. Because so many times you'll have pressure. You'll have deadlines. You'll have things that need to get done and, and you have to watch about just wanting to get through and just wanting to be done with it and tired of dealing with it. Any number of things. But you need to be honest that if I don't have that other witness yet, I don't have it yet. So what do I do? I wait and I keep looking and I keep searching and I keep looking and I, and I refuse to go ahead and I refuse to make the choice and decision until I have the additional witness of the Holy Spirit. And when you learn, when you learn how to, to live that way, it simplifies everything. It simplifies everything and it protects you and it keeps you on the right track and on the right path because when you're going down the path he's prepared for you, you encounter favor after favor after blessing after blessing and the path gets brighter and brighter and better and better. Can you say amen? Amen. Now in Proverbs 3, if you'd look there, Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Here you see a contrast from heart led, from head led. Heart led, different from head led. In all your ways, do what? In how many of your ways? In all your ways. This is our part. God's not going to do this for us. 
And if we don't do it, we can miss out. Even though the Holy Spirit's in you, even though he knows everything about everything, including the future and the plan of God, he's not going to make you and I go the right way. He's not going to impose what we need to hear and need to do. We can't ignore him if we choose to. It's a dumb thing to do. But millions are doing it, aren't they? And so what we have to do is give him place. We're to give the devil no place. But we are to give the Holy Spirit full place. Yield to him. We should be asking and checking on the inside and inviting him in to help us and to guide us all the time. You don't have to pray a long prayer to accomplish that. Just as something's coming up, instead of just trying to get all the information you can and trying to make decisions with your head or trying to get somebody else to make the decision for you, you're checking on the inside, checking on the inside. You're acknowledging, the Lord, I need your help here. Show me what to do. Show me which way to go. I'm asking. And then you check. And then you look. And what did the Bible say? And can you count on the Word of God? If you will acknowledge Him in all your ways, what did He say He would do? What did he say he would do? He shall direct your path. Do you think if you acknowledge him in all your ways, like he said, can you count on him to do what he said he would do? Can you count on him? Hallelujah. He shall direct your path. Go with me, please, to the book of John, gospel account of John. Now, what we've done this week is look at the example of Jesus. Jesus demonstrated this perfectly. He was always and only led by the Spirit of God. You remember when he was about 30 years old, baptized in the River Jordan, what happened? The Holy Spirit came on him. Is that right? And we see the very next phrase says, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit. And Jesus said himself, I can of my own self do nothing. I, I, I say what I hear. I do what I, I see the Father do. I, I didn't come to do my own will. And so the Spirit of God, Jesus is aware of him and the communication of the Father night and day. And he, that, that's all he does is what he gets direction to do from the Father by the Spirit, through the Spirit. And we saw uh, how Jesus operated in, in John 3 when he went to uh, Nicodemus came to him and said we know you're a t- teacher come from God nobody can do the works you do except God be with him and Nicodemus wants to talk to him about all the things that's happening in his ministry and Jesus just uh, says uh, unless you're born again you can't enter the kingdom of God he's not being led by Nicodemus questions he's not being led by Nicodemus concerns. He's being led by the Spirit. Do you think you and I could learn some things from the Master on how to operate this way? The more you walk in the flesh, the more you walk by sight, you are just responding to what you're seeing and hearing. And when somebody says, you know, answer this for me or or come do this with me, if you just trot over and try to start answering their question or try to get involved with doing that with them, who's leading you? And the question is, who's leading them? What spiritual influences 
Are they following? So you wind up following whatever spiritual influence is leading them if you're letting them lead you. Hmm? Yeah, but it's, it's a need. Yeah, but it's a great opportunity. Yeah, but none of those things are the same as being led by the Spirit. Children of God are not to be led by needs. I said we're not to be led by needs. We're not to be led by opportunities. Tell me how we're supposed to be led. By the Spirit of God. Bearing witness with our spirit. Internally directed. Not externally. It takes discipline. Not to be moved. It takes strength. It takes knowing your God. And not letting anything change you. And move you. We see him operate that way. Go with me to the 8th chapter of John here. You're close by. Go to the 8th chapter of John. Let's see a perfect example of Jesus doing this. And as we read this, don't you say, isn't that amazing how Jesus did that? Remember, he's our example. And didn't he say, if you believe on me, the works I do, you can do also. Then can you do things the way he did it? That's why he demonstrated it for us. So don't just read it and go, well, that's amazing. Jesus was really good at that. No, you need, to, you need to read it and go, I can do that. I can operate this way. I can live this way. And it's not strange. It'll be very familiar. Religion of men, tradition of men apart from God is phony. And it's sad that so many people try to put on airs and try to act like this is God and, and the other person doesn't know any different, so they go, amen. And there's so much junk in churches and ministries and Christians' lives that's got nothing to do with God. And as you find, I don't claim to know everything about God and his things. You know that. But the more I learn about it, the more I see it's got nothing to do with phony It's real. Somebody say it's real. It's real. real. And as you learn how to walk in the things of God like Jesus did, you begin begin to uh, exclaim and think, Lord, I could have been doing this 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years. It's right here. You just pay attention to this and you just follow this and there you are. You're doing what Jesus did. It is not some bizarre, caught up in a trance thing. See, people think, well, you know, there's no way I could pray like Jesus, that I could uh, function and be led like Jesus. He expects you and me to be. He expects us to be. And basically, we have to ignore him and do something else not to do it. Somebody say it by faith. I can be be. led by the Spirit, Spirit. directed by the Spirit, Spirit. just like my Master, master. Jesus. Jesus. Didn't the Scripture say in 1 John, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Do you say you abide in him? Are you in him? Do you live in him? Then the Bible said you're supposed to walk just like him. 
Walk just like him. Now the devil will tell you that's impossible. He's perfect. You're not. He's spiritual. You're not. But the devil's a liar. And it's closer to your reach and mind than we might think. It's right here. The Holy Spirit's right here. The opportunity to be led of the Spirit is is so close. It's right here. Didn't he say in Romans 10, don't say who's going to cross the ocean, who's going to go up to heaven, who's going to go down. He said it's close. It's near. It's as close as your heart and your mouth. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Things start happening. So as you read this, let, let the Spirit of God put you in this situation and see yourself being led exactly the same way. Because I say by the Spirit of the Lord, soon and very soon, you'll be in a similar circumstance. And when you are, if you'll stay awake tonight, and you won't fight what the Spirit is saying, you will be able to operate in a greater level of peace and rest and anointing and knowing and confidence than you have in times past. You'll just know in that situation what to do. And you won't let anything move you. Anybody agreeing with this tonight? Look at how Jesus did this. John 8 and verse 1. John 8 and 1 It says, uh, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Now the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, this is very disruptive of the service. Isn't it? Can you imagine somebody tonight dragging a woman down the aisle? May or may not be properly clothed and putting her there in front of everybody and saying, we just caught this woman committing adultery. Now, I got a question. How many of you can't commit adultery by yourself? So where's the guy? It's probably one of their buddies that conveniently slipped away. This is a setup. I said, this is a setup. And what we need to see, don't just look at these scribes and Pharisees. They are the pawns of the enemy at this juncture. And the enemy works exactly the same today. He works exactly the same today. He's always trying to set people up. He's always trying to set you up. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's always trying to build a case against you. He's always trying to set you up. Now that lets you know he's not all powerful that he can just come hurt you. He can't. I mean, if he could, he wouldn't have to go through all this setup stuff and try to get you to indict yourself. So he, you know, you don't, you should not be afraid of the devil. He's been stripped. I said he's been stripped. He's been brought to naught. He's under your feet. 
But what you do need to watch for is his craftiness. And don't, don't think that you're so smart that he can't get to you like this. Because if you want to play head games with him, you're already in trouble. He's been around a long, long, long time, and he's practiced on human beings generation after generation. And if you want to play head games with him, you're right where he wants you to be. He'll tie you up in knots, and you won't even know what happened. But if you'll keep him in the arena of faith, and if you'll keep yourself in the place of being led by the Spirit, no matter what you feel and see, his tricks won't work on you. Amen. His setups won't work. They won't, they won't be effective. They won't be successful. But learn how the enemy works. And so they put this woman down in front of Jesus, in front of everybody. Uh, Jesus was in there teaching them. So they have interrupted the service and the teaching. The enemy's always trying to do that. He's always trying to get people's mind off of what God is doing and interrupt it and get it on something else. Hmm? Something sensational. Something scandalous. Hmm? So, they said, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? What do you say? This is how the devil works. He tries to pressure you to pick between two bad choices. He tries to pressure you into picking between two or whatever number but all of them are wrong. There is no good choice here. There is no right choice. But he tries to play on our lack of knowledge and our lack of understanding, and he tries to manipulate you through fear and pressure. You got to pick. You got to pick. Everybody's waiting. Everybody's wanting to know what you're going to say. Everybody's waiting. Everybody wants to know. Inquiring minds. Want to know. Well, what if you're led by inquiring minds? You're not being led by the Spirit of God. One thing I, I had to learn as a minister, that in ministry, people are spirit beings, and they can pull on you. To want you to, and, and as you're talking about something, they can pull on you to want you to talk about this. Yep. Or go into more detail on that. Right. Or answer this or get into that. And you can feel it. As a minister, you can get to certain places. And if, if even a third of the crowd gets the same thing on their mind and they're thinking, yeah, yeah, talk about that. It'll be a pull. I said it'll be a pull. And if you follow it, now who's leading you in the service? Human spirits. Not the Holy Spirit. Human spirits. 
are now direct. You're following curiosity. But we're supposed to be spirit-led. But it takes discipline, doesn't it? When other things are pulling on you. Other things are pushing on you. It went on to say, Moses in the law said we should, that she should be stoned. The word of God, which is all they had at the time, the word of God, it is written. The, the law plainly says if a, if a woman, man's caught in an act of adultery, they're to be stoned. That's it. But what do you say, Master? This is the devil. Can you hear the devil in this? And so Jesus did what? What did Jesus do? Did he answer their question? Did he say, let me see, let me see. Number one or number two? Number one or number two? Number one or number two? Stoner, don't stoner. Stoner, don't stoner. Stoner, don't stoner. We need to do a study on this. We need to, we need to uh, form a committee <laughs> to, to kind of fill out what the repercussions are going to be on this. What's our best political response? Because if we say stoner, well, we are upholding the word. We're sticklers for the word. But Sure is going to come across as not being very compassionate. It's not going to rate good with certain segments of the population. But if we say, don't stone her, that's exactly what they want us to say. And they're going to say, see there, see there, there's no way he's of God. He openly ignores the word of God. He just casts it aside and makes up things as he goes along. And so the enemy is trying to bring pressure to bear upon Jesus to pick between two wrong choices. So what do you do in a situation like that? Do I or don't I? Do I or don't I? I got to do the right thing. No. 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 Here's the first thing you do. You make up your mind. They don't lead me. I'm not going to be led by these scribes. I'm not going to be led by these Pharisees. I'm not going to be led by this woman. I'm not going to be led by this situation. I am always and only led by the Spirit of God. So he didn't answer the question. And he knelt down. And wrote in the ground. Not the typical response you would expect. And the Spirit of God will lead you to do things that are not typical. Can you see yourself doing this? Come on, can you see yourself? No? Well, get a change then. <laughs> Verse 7, so what happened? Jesus stooped down, and with his finger he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not, like they weren't even there. Somebody say, cool, <laughs> under pressure. 
cool under pressure. Why? Because he's not under pressure. He didn't receive the pressure. You ever heard the phrase, lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part? The devil is continually trying to contrive artificial emergencies. Artificial emergencies. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, it's an emergency. We got to do something. And we got to do it right now. Right now. Right now. We got to do it right now. And there are feelings that come with that. Feelings of alarm. Feelings that, that disrupt you. And, and, and there, there keeps coming this pressure. It's, it's urgent. It's urgent. You, you got to do something. You got to do it now. You got to do it now. And come on, examine this now. If you do respond to that and make a decision based on that, what's leading you? What's leading you? What are you following? Not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not doing that to you. We haven't received the spirit of fear again to bondage. We've received the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who makes you say, Abba, Father. The spirit of peace that passes understanding. The spirit of cool. The spirit of rest. Let me read some some other verses to you. We should be led by peace, not pressure. Peace, not pressure. Hebrews 12, 14. Don't turn there. Just stay right here with me in John 8. I'm just going to read this to you. John, excuse me, Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace. With all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Should you follow peace? Well, God's the God of peace. If you're following peace, who are you following? Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The Amplified says, let the peace in your hearts decide and settle with finality all questions that arise in your minds. Let the peace. If you don't have peace about it, it's not time to move. You got to get settled. You're looking for that other witness. And that co-witness is the spirit of peace. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 63, 14 says, The spirit of the Lord caused him to rest. So did you lead your people. He leads us in rest and peace. Anybody remember the 23rd Psalm? 23rd Psalm. What does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. Hmm? I'm always needing something. Well, no, I shall not. Won't. I shall not be in lack because the Lord's my good shepherd. He makes me to lie down. That's not the same thing as pulling your hair, running in circles. What are we doing? Chilling. Lying down in green pastures. Does that sound serene? Does that sound peaceful? He leads me how and where? How and where? Beside the still, still waters. 
This is not a loud waterfall. This is a calm, mirror-like surface, still waters. And in that state, he restoreth my soul. Somebody say glory to God. He restores my soul. Everything in this world is trying to get you into a panic, into an upheaval, into worry and anxiety. And the Bible said, labor to enter in to the rest. I know for years that puzzled me. I preached and taught Brother Hagin's healing school. And so we're talking about faith and healing all the time. And so one week I'd be talking about fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And then a few weeks later I'd be talking about enter into the rest. Enter into the rest. And one week I caught myself. I thought, whoa, wait a minute. What are we doing? Fighting or resting? <laughs> but like all the word, it's something doesn't seem, you know, it's humorous. These people that say the Bible contradicts itself, that, that's humorous. They're just showing how ignorant they are. When you find something that seems to contradict, you just found something you don't understand. There's nothing wrong with the word. Something wrong with you. That can be fixed. And uh, so I said, Lord, help me to see this. And that's when the Lord took me to Hebrews 4. And, and, and the, uh, if you read that chapter, you'll see he talks about that. And, and he says, labor to enter into the rest. Where does the work come? Getting into and staying in the rest. Yeah. That's where the fight comes in. Because... Everything out here will try to keep you out of rest. And then if you get in rest, everything out here will try to get you out after you've gotten in. And so it takes the fight of faith and not in casting down imaginations and not being moved by what you feel and see to cast your cares over on the Lord and rest in him. And even though the gates are shaking and the wind is howling, you got to make up your mind. I am in the fortress and refuge of the Most High, and I'm not coming out. I don't care how hard it shakes, how hard it blows. I don't care how loud people scream and cry. I'm not coming down and panicking with you. I'm not. What if you die? In a few more clicks, we're all going to die. You just now finding that out? What if, what if we die? Dying is not the worst thing that can happen to a child of God, not by a long stretch. These guys are pressuring Jesus. What we should understand is the enemy is trying to pressure Jesus through these men. And he operates the same way today. Go back to John 8, please. Let's, let's continue with this. They said, the law says stoner. What do you say? Of course, I'm sure he could feel everybody around there thinking, what's he going to say? So you've got the enemy trying to uh, pressure. You've got all these human spirits trying to pull Maybe part of the group's trying to pull him this way. Part of the group's trying to pull us. Man, I hope he says, don't stone her. 
The other guy says, well, he has to say stoner. It means the word. So what does he do? He stoops down. And he writes on the ground. And he does not play their game. He does not let them tell him the only responses he has to pick from. They're saying A or B, A or B, A or B, A or B. And he says, neither one. Holy Ghost C. Is what I'm going with. Hmm? I'm not going with either one of them. I'm telling you, friend, it it will set you free. It will liberate you when you realize you do not have to answer all questions. And you do you're not stuck with the alternatives that people in situations try to limit you with. Now you got to get your mind renewed. I said you got to get your mind renewed. Elsewise, you'll just fall right into the rut that everybody else is in. I began to see this some years ago, and the Spirit of God helped me. Has the enemy ever brought this thought and feeling to you? What are you going to do? Hmm? I don't even have to ask you to raise your hand. Everybody, everybody in the place. Well, he, the enemy was harassing me with not not a voice. But the thought kept coming, and the feeling kept, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You got this coming up. You got that coming up. You only got that X amount of time, and you don't know what you're going to do, and you don't know about that. The enemy likes to emphasize what you don't know. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? If you listen to it, it'll come all day and all night. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What? Are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And if you listen to this and you think about it and you hear it inside you for very long, you know what will happen? You'll open your mouth. And you know what you'll say? What am I going to do? Now, who's leading you now? Who's leading you? Well, whoever brought that thought to you and those feelings and fed it to you. Well, the Spirit of God, thank you, Lord. He's always there, too. And he'll help you in the midst of this. The enemy was bugging me with some of that. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? And your first response, we're programmed to try to answer it, which can be a mistake. That means the question is leading you, not the Spirit. And whoever's leading the person asking the question. The Spirit of God prompted me. These thoughts, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? The Spirit of God prompted me, why don't you ask him what he's going to do? And like I said last night, I got sassy. Because I saw it. I saw it. Do you remember they came to Jesus on another occasion? And they, they tried to, they said, by what authority do you do these things? Remember that? Who gave you this authority? Answer us. He didn't say that. That would be one, one of the two choices they're giving him. He's either saying, they expect him to say, the Lord 
gave me this authority, which they think they have an answer for, or he's coming in his own authority or another man's authority. What else is there? He didn't answer either one. Anybody remember what he said? He said, I got a question for you. I'm sure they're thinking, no, 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 no. See, we asked you. You have to answer. And, and this is where the freedom comes, brother and sister. You can change the game on the devil right in the middle of it. And there's nothing he can do about it. He thinks he's got you all set up and he's got you pushed in between and you got to pick between these wrong choices and you can just go, nope. Now it's on you. Oh, he don't like that. Because that means you have learned how to act like Jesus. You have learned how to flow like him. Jesus said, I got a question for you. Baptism of John. Was that from heaven or from men? Oh, man. Just like that. I, I don't know if you could have heard it through the crowd, but the, the whole bunch of the crowd are thinking, whether it's out loud or not, they're thinking, yeah, yeah. And, and I know all these, these, these scribes and Pharisees, they felt it. They're thinking, uh-oh, this could get ugly quick, man. And so they said, uh, excuse us just a moment. And, and they conferred among themselves and now, just like that, who's under the gun? Who's under pressure? The enemy that was trying to pressure you is under pressure because you wouldn't play his game the way he tried to set you up. You wouldn't pick between his choices. You wouldn't let him lead you. Come on now. They said, if we say from men this, if we say from God, they said, why didn't you go with it? And finally they came back and they said, we, uh, we can't tell. <laughs> and he, he said, well, I'm not telling you either. <laughs> what, what, are we talk, what are we listening to? This is being spirit-led. This is being led by the spirit of wisdom. There's nothing like it, friend. There's nothing that compares to it. You can never come up with this in your head in a thousand years, 10,000 tries. But it can come up from your spirit and illuminate your mind faster than you can blink your eyes. And you just know what to say. You just know what to do. But you won't get it if you move too quick and take it into your own hands and try to control it or you let somebody else lead you and manipulate. You have to stay your soul, possess your soul, and make yourself wait until you hear from him. Can you see Jesus doing that? They come. They're trying to pressure him. He just doesn't even respond to them. He kneels down and starts writing on the ground. There's conjecture about what he wrote. And uh, you have to watch about things like that, trying to figure out things that the Scripture didn't actually say. But there is a verse that refers to some of this. And it's in Jeremiah 17, 13. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen. Jeremiah 17, 13 says in the Amplified, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. They who depart from you shall disappear like writing on the ground because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Holman says, they'll be put to shame. All who turn away from me shall be written in the dirt. They had left the Lord. 
They're being hypocrites accusing this woman when they themselves have sinned and sinned. Some have conjectured that he's writing some of their sins or he's writing some of the commandments that they themselves have broken. I don't know, but the final result was what Jeremiah was talking about. They were ashamed and they left and they realized they were condemned. But if Jesus had been too quick to pick between the two wrong answers, things wouldn't have gone the way they're about to go. When they tried, that other occasion when they tried to say, answer us. And he said, no, you answer me. We need to think like this, yes. night and day. Amen. And when the Spirit of God, don't respond to pressure. When the Spirit of God dealt with me about that, when it was coming to me, the enemy saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? The Spirit of God prompted me, why don't you ask him what he's going to do? And just like that, I saw it. I saw it. I thought, I don't have to answer him. What's he to me? I don't have to answer anything he brings to me. And so I saw it. I said, uh, so you're concerned about me, huh? You know, worst case scenario, worst case, I don't get my bills paid. I don't get my body healed. I die. I fall dead tomorrow. Worst case scenario, die sick and broke. Guess what? I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. My name's in the Lamb's book of life. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I've already won. I've already won. I said, you concerned about me? What I'm going to do? I said, how about you? What you going to do? Have you read the back of the book? Don't sound good for you. Have you read the back of the book? Bible said time is short. Tick tock. Tick tock. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, devil? I read in there where a great big old angel is coming down with chains. He's going to grab you and slap them chains on you. He's going to throw you into the pit. What are you going to do? 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 By then, he's gone. He's gone. He's long gone. He don't want to hear that. But come on, can you see where, where so many people have been, instead of doing that, what would they still be doing? Trying to answer the question, what am I going to do? On the defensive, fearful, under pressure. I don't have to answer all questions. In fact, I don't answer all questions. Sometimes people are annoyed with me about it. But I stay happy. I stay free. Lots of times, you know, people write in, they call in. Brother, Brother Moore, what's your position on this? Don't have one. Well, sure you do. No comment. None of my business. A lot of folks are not happy with that. They're not satisfied with that. They, they try to push. Well, now, now back up. Why would they try to push? 
Because somebody's pushing them. Why were these guys trying to push Jesus? Because somebody, some spirit, was trying to push them. Why? To cause a public problem. Can you see this? And what else you will see is that the enemy will try to push you not only to pick between two bad choices or three or whatever, he will try to push you to pick sides. Pick sides. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Phyllis and I, years ago at the beginning of our ministry, the Lord was, I was seeing some things and in our little kitchen, I said, let's pray over this. I had just come from a place that wasn't necessarily called faith place, word and faith place. And right after I got back, somebody said, I heard you went to so-and-so's. I said, yep. He said, man, what are you doing over there? Well, this is where you, this is where you get into it. I don't have to answer all questions. I don't have to explain myself to them. What did you say? We're having a service, having meetings. What were you doing over there? Having meetings, preaching, praising God, saying hallelujah. <laughs> That's all I got. But I saw what was going. Folks were trying to say, are you with us? Are you with them? Whose side are you on? Do you remember when, uh, who was it? Uh, was it Jacob? That wrestled with the angel. I'm, I'm get, I think I'm getting two stories. I know he did, but there's a couple of stories I may be getting crossed here. And he said, whose side are you on? And he said, he's on the Lord's side. On the Lord's side. That's right. Thank you. On the Lord's side. That's whose side I'm on too. How about you? And I told Phyllis, I said, you know, I'm not doing this. I am not picking sides. I can have more than one friend. I can have more than one friend. And you know, because we did, we, we, we joined hands in the kitchen and we prayed and I, and I said, Lord, help me, help us, Phyllis and I, to help us to never allow pressure, prejudice. And when you say prejudice, sometimes people try to think color or gender, but oh no, there's all kind of other prejudices, traditional versus non-traditional. You know, charismatic versus faith. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Which camp are you in? I'm in the God camp. I'm in the whole family of God. Now, people don't like that. They go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but, but really. <laughs> Have you noticed that the enemy will try to push you to pick sides? Yes. That's how a lot of disruptions and things start in churches and ministries. Well, whose side you on anyway? And, and, and then people get, get it in their mind that I have to pick. I have to pick. No, you don't. Come on, say it out loud. I don't have to pick. I do not have to pick sides among God's people. And I'm not going to. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. In the third chapter, and 21, 1 Corinthians 3, 21, Therefore let no man glory in men. For what? For what? All things are yours. 
Now he was talking specifically about what we've been talking about tonight. Because some had been saying, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I am of the, the, the Cephas, the Peter group. I am of the Apollos group. I am of the I'm Paul's group. And the Spirit of God's correcting them through Paul. He's saying, listen, you don't have to pick. All things are yours. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the world, life, death, things present, things to come. Come on, do you see this next phrase? What, what does the next phrase say? It's all mine. I don't have to pick. It's all mine. It's all mine. The faith bunch is mine. The faith message is mine. The grace message is mine. The prosperity message is mine. The holiness meeting is mine. What group are you in? All of them. Uh, no, you're not. You can't be. Yeah, I can. No, you have to pick. No, I don't. That's where you're wrong. I don't have to pick. And I'm not going to pick. Can you see that through this pressure to pick sides is how the enemy perpetuates strife and division and it just gets worse and worse and worse and then somebody wants to know hey why don't you hang out with us anymore and other folks say well hey and if you're hanging with us you can't run with that bunch no because they're whoo they're they're off the truth is none of us did you hear the word none none of us are right about everything none not you, not me, not your favorite preachers. Nobody you know is right about everything. Why? Because we know in part. And it's the parts we don't know, the gaps that we haven't filled is where we're wrong on stuff. And where we get partially right and partially wrong. And listen to me, friend. The spirit of a man or woman is more important than their doctrine. Doctrine is important, but nobody is perfect in doctrine. I'm going to say that three more times. <clears throat> well, our doctrine is it? No, no, it's not. Because for your doctrine to be perfect, you'd have to be perfect in knowledge. And you're not, and you're not going to be in this life. And it's the parts you don't know about is where you're off and you're wrong, and nobody you know is right about everything. Nobody. 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 And a lot of times when groups really get up in arms with each other and oppose each other, so many times this group's partly right about this and partly right about that, and that's group two, partly right about this. Part, if they could just get their parts together. <laughs> but did you hear that phrase? The spirit of a man. The spirit of a woman is more important than their doctrine. The spirit of a person. That's what you ought to be looking for. Not trying to hear, are they crossing every T? Are they dotting every I? Don't misunderstand me. You should study to show yourself approved. You should do everything you know to get it right. But you should also understand you're not perfect in knowledge. But you should listen to the heart of a man. The heart of a woman. And when you can hear that the heart is right, that's more valuable than somebody that, that thinks they have their doctrine perfect. 
After all, what does God look at? God looks at the doctrine. His eyes are searching to and fro throughout the earth to find those who are perfect in doctrine before him. No, 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 no. Because if that were the case, nothing would happen ever. And here's the thing. You can, be, you can be confused and you can be wrong and you can be off about some stuff in your head. And at the same time, your heart can be right. Your heart, you, you can, to have a perfect heart means to have a whole heart, wholehearted. You love God with all your heart. You believe him with all your heart. You're willing with all your heart. And if your heart's right, God looks through all the imperfections and all the silly, goofy junk. And if he sees your heart and it's right, he says, perfect. 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 He's not talking about your knowledge. He's not talking about your performance. He's talking about your heart. Your heart. It's possible to have a perfect heart before the Lord every day and every night. Just keeping your heart right. Because we wouldn't pick sides, the Lord has allowed us exposure and fellowship with different parts of the body of Christ. We wound up, we've wound up in places where you just shake your head and you think, how did I get here? This, this bunch is nothing like my bunch. I, I was thinking one day some things begin to happen. It was so strange to my ears. It was so strange to my eyes. And I'm thinking, this can't be God. Of course, I didn't say that. I was thinking, man, this can't be God. And I closed my eyes and I'm thinking, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's God. I don't my eyes and think, it can't be. No, hold on. And you know what it does? It gets you out of your fishbowl. And it helps you to begin to realize that a whole lot of the ways, things that you do that you think is God, is just you. (laughs) And that God does things differently through different people. I I wound up at a, a traditional church. Great big stone cathedral. Found out later, I was the first guest speaker outside their uh, organization in 35 years. And when they invited me, I just felt impressed to come. I didn't know them at all. I knew they weren't our circle per se, but don't really have a circle. (laughs) And so uh, after they invited me, they called back and and got, they got Phyllis. And, And they were concerned about what I might preach and teach. And so they, they wanted me to outline, and she kind of laughed. She said, he's got several meetings between you and them. I'm sure he doesn't know what he's going to preach. Well, that alarmed them even more. <laughs> but the Lord helped her, and she comforted them. And when we arrived, it was very, very, very formal, very formal. I mean, not an amen. Are you kidding? There wasn't even a hard breath anywhere. I mean, it was, it it was, but I did what I needed to do. And the second day we were there, I had a healing service. Yes, I did. I was impressed too. 
Remember this led by the Spirit thing. I mean, he will lead you to some places you wouldn't think. And for people to be filled with the Spirit. I know, I know, I know. It was not a charismatic Pentecostal line. People did come up. They mostly kneeled. Very quiet. Very quiet. I prayed for them. You wouldn't have thought a thing happened. If you'd have been there standing five foot away, you would have thought, boy, that was dead. Nothing happened there. The next Sunday morning, after the service, me and the pastor, I don't think they called him that, but we were out on the stone steps of this great big edifice. And it was so dear, friends. People came by. They'd lean in and shake my hand. And then they, this would be like me, they'd lean in and they'd go, I was healed last night. (laughs) (laughs) They'd lean in and go, I was healed last night. I spoke in tongues. (laughs) I thought, you did? They said, yeah. Kind of looked around. (laughs) I was healed last night. I I must have heard it 30 or 40 times. And it was so, I mean, it wasn't us running around speaking in tongues and it wasn't loud music, and, but it was God. It was God in a different way than I had experienced before. And it was so rich. I mean, when I'm telling you about it, it blesses me right now how God moved, how dear it was, how precious it was. What if if we're adamant and say, well, that's not my camp. I can't go up there. Say it out loud. I don't have to pick sides. I'm not picking sides. I can have more than one friend. (laughs) Yes, I can. I got scripture for it. Do you? Do you? I I got scripture for it. What do I mean? I don't have to pick between Paul and Apollos. And Peter. Why? Because I got Paul and Apollos and Peter. They're all mine. All of them's mine. I can take the best parts from all of them. And the parts I don't understand, I don't have to judge. The parts I think I don't agree with, I don't have to judge. I don't have to get into. Do I? I don't have to judge you. I'm not the Holy Ghost police. It's not my job to straighten everybody out. Is it? No. You can stay so happy. You can stay so free. And if you get to a spot where it gets kind of, you know, tense, you can just smile and go, well, we might not agree about all that, but hey, we're having good services, huh? We're having good, we're having a good meeting. Let's, uh, we don't have to camp on that. Let's just, let's just have God over here. I got you. You got me. We got us. We don't have to pick. So much so we don't have to pee. Finish up with me here in John 8. Jesus did not respond to their pressure, to the enemy's pressure. He did not let them lead him and push him into choosing between two wrong choices. He stooped down. He wrote on the ground. like He didn't even hear them. There's a lot of things that people say and do. You need to smile and just act like you didn't even hear it. You do, I'm telling you. You do. Do you know, if you walk in love, 
on the level that you should, many people will think you are naive. <laughs> and that'll be hard on your pride. But you need to get over it and you need to kill that. See, so many people like to think, well, hey, I'm spiritual. I discern things. <laughs> I knew they were talking about me. I knew that little thing they stuck in there. I, yeah, that little jab. I discern that. That's not a spirit gift. That's a gift of suspicion. <laughs> when you walk in love, people, I tell you, a lot of people will think you're naive. And if, if you got enough humility, you don't care. In fact, you think it's funny. You'll find it humorous. It'll be private entertainment for you. <laughs> I had some folks that helped me one time. They came to me after a thing that had happened. And he said, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, those things that so-and-so said. I said, yeah. They said, he's talking about you. You knew that, right? I said, no. <laughs> they said, yeah. I said, you don't know that. Maybe he was talking about this. They said, oh, come on, Brother Keith. He all but called your name. And pointed to you, you know, almost. I said, nah, nah. And I could see him when I left there thinking, poor Brother Keith. He just. You know, you think a man spiritual like that would pick up on something. Well, like uh, let's back up this. What is the value of that? Come on, what's the value of me going? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Is that love? Is that faith? What's that going to do to you? That's a way for you to start judging them and doing the same things they're doing to you and being just as guilty and, and becoming bitter and messed up. Let me tell you how much you are to walk in love. You got to get ready. You gotta, this takes mind renewal. If somebody comes up and slaps you, pow, you should back up and go, whoa, did you trip? Did you? You, you tripped and your hand fell across my face, man. <laughs> You're laughing and that's good, but listen, that is so much more enjoyable a life than sitting around all the time, second guessing cross-examining everything that everybody's saying. Did they mean that? Why didn't they do that? Yeah, that was a little disrespect there. Yeah, that was a little diss there. Yeah, that was a little jab there. That's going to make you miserable. And it's not going to help. One thing, and it's not going to prove that you're spiritual discerning. It proves the opposite, that you are carnal. Because when you develop spiritually, you develop in love. And you know what love does? It doesn't even keep a record. So when people, when people want to talk to you about how they treated you, you go, what? I got no record of that. I was just enjoying myself over there <laughs> with that group that they said I shouldn't be with. We had a great time. You stay happy. You stay free. Hallelujah. You actually grow up, and you don't wear your feelings on your sleeve, and you are not offended and hurt and angered by stuff. You get harder and harder and harder to upset.
See, some people think it's a sign of spirituality how easily hurt they are. I'm just a sensitive spirit. They're just <laughs> everything gets to me. You're an emotional mess. It's got nothing to do with being spiritual. Because when you're spiritual, you don't let it pierce you. That's what the breastplate of righteousness is there for. To keep it from getting in you. That's what the shield of faith is there for. To keep it from getting into you. It doesn't penetrate you. It bounces off of your faith. It bounces off of your righteousness. Who you know you are in Christ. It bounces off of you. And even if something's undeniable. You go. So. I've said dumb stuff myself. (laughs) I have missed it myself. And how do we know they haven't already repented? How do we know? They haven't already repented and the Lord don't even remember it anymore. So you and I shouldn't be talking about it. Let's just get back to having fun. Hurts. Offenses. Anger. Is letting the enemy play you. It's letting him monopolize your mind and control your life and destroy your relationships and hamper your abilities. How many understand you cannot function at your full capacity when you're hurt and mad and all this other stuff? You cannot. And you're not going to be paying attention to the Holy Spirit. You're going to be ignoring him and getting into more trouble. Recognize this stuff for what it is. Tactics of the enemy. Setups he's trying to get you into. You don't have to play his game. You don't have to play by his rules. You don't have to do it the way he pushes you to do it. Jesus stooped down, rode on the ground. Verse 7, when they continued asking him, they're just pressuring him. They're pushing him. What about it, preacher? What about it, Rabbi? Do we stone her or not? Come on, we don't have all day. Do we stone her? Do we not? He didn't answer them at all. He's down here writing on the ground. They're probably trying to figure out why he's doing that. What he's doing. You should keep the devil guessing all the time. We know what happened. Because Jesus told us the way he operates. He said, I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. So we know what happened while he's down there writing on the ground. The Spirit of God reveals this to him. Say this. So he gets up. And he says, He that's without sin among you, let him be the first one to throw a stone at her. And then he stoops back down and writes on the ground. Doesn't try to explain it to them. Doesn't try to get them to see it. Just leaves it between them and God. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. How many know this is miraculous? You talk about a miracle. These guys fully intended to kill somebody today. Her or Jesus. Preferably Jesus. Both would be good. When Jesus lifted up himself. And saw none but the woman. He said woman. 
Where's your accusers? Has nobody condemned you? Don't you know that was music to her ears? She said, no man, Lord. Nobody. What did Jesus say? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't tell her she was okay. In fact, she had sinned. But he said, I'm not condemning you. And don't do it again. Then spoke Jesus again to them saying, I am the light of the world. He that does what? That does what? Follows me. Is that you? He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What we've been looking at is an example of walking in the light. When you're walking in confusion, when you're walking in ignorance, that's darkness. When you know what to do, when it's clear and plain, that's light. Stand on your feet, everybody. Singers and players, would y'all come, please? Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the light. Psalm 112, I'm just going to read it to you, verse 4. Until the upright, there arises light in the darkness. He's gracious and full of compassion. A good man shows favor and lends. He guides his affairs with discretion. Does this sound like somebody that's being led, that's walking in the light? Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be had in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid. Close your eyes. Put your hands on your midsection. The Bible said, out of of your belly will flow rivers, rivers of living water. Said out loud, I am born of the Spirit. The Spirit indwells me. The greater one inside. And I am led by the Spirit every day, every night, every situation, I refuse to be moved by anything else. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Just lift your hands. Begin to praise the Lord. Direction can come right now. Direction can come in situations in this room, in the churches in Branson and Sarasota, in our partners and lives all across the country and other countries, direction can come right now. Direction can come right now. Hallelujah. First of all, you got to cast the fear aside. Cast, Cast the pressure off. Cast the care of it off. You say, I refuse to be moved by any of that. Hallelujah. Right now, acknowledge him in this area of your life that you've been perplexed about, 
that you've been puzzled about, that you've been pressured about, acknowledge him right here, right now. Don't wait till you leave. Right here, right now. Acknowledge him. And say, Lord, I'm looking to you. I'm I'm looking to you. I'm asking you to show me what to do. I'm waiting on your direction and on your leading and on your guidance. And the Bible said you'll be led with peace. Follow peace. It'll just come clear to you what to do about that situation. You don't have to know all those answers to all those questions that came up in your mind. A lot of those you just need to forget about. Once the Lord shows you what to do, they're not even going to be applicable. Like Jesus told Martha, Mary has chosen that good thing. There's one thing that's needful. And that good thing won't be taken away from her. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.